There's no other one who has greater love. With joy I will ever sing. Out of his great love and pick me up. Set my feet on a sturdy rock. Out of his great love I'll learn the meaning of salvation. Out of his great love. Out of his great love and pick me up. Set my feet on a sturdy rock. Forgetfulness 
And I hope the answer to this question is not long, and uh, I have no clue. I enjoy my pastor being here. I, lo- I love getting to preach, too. I love uh, absorbing what we got to absorb this morning, spending time in the altar. And we have a lot to be thankful for. And uh, he said, Brother Brandon, I don't ever get anything out of any message that's ever preached. If you didn't get something out of the message this morning, something's wrong with your heart. Because I can tell you, we've all got a lot to be thankful for. And in everything gives thanks. I'll never, ever forget as you're turning to Ephesians chapter number 6. And I text our pastor this. Brother Kevin, you were there that night. Brother Garrett, a lot of our teens were there that night. And uh, probably one of the greatest messages I've ever heard in my life was at Haynes that night. Brother Stroud preached that message. In everything, for everything. And with everything, when you get to where you can give God thanks in everything, with everything, and for everything, uh, God will change your life. That is not easy. Brother Stroud preached a message that night about his mom going through Alzheimer's and having to get to the place where he could thank God for his mom having Alzheimer's. That is not easy. But if we ever get to that level with the Lord to realize that no matter what he does, if he never does anything again, that he is worthy of our thanks and praise, God will help us in our Christian life. And I appreciate our pastor minding the Lord this morning. And uh, I'm not preaching on David tonight. I'm not saying, I guess I already mentioned his name. I wasn't even going to mention his name, but not dealing with David. And I appreciate Brother Carlton's testimony this morning. And I'm thankful we have a place. I'm thankful we can have a place for the Lord. And there's places that we've got to commit to the Lord. But I, as I was saying, I don't know how many more Sunday nights we have together, uh, but whether it's this one or whether I don't preach the next message and what I'm fixing to say for another year, God's beginning to develop some messages in my heart out of Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 13. I guess you could call it a launch verse or a text verse, and I don't want to say that out of a cliche. We're springing out of this text, but the message tonight will be in 2 Corinthians. But I want you to notice Philippians, Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 13. We know the text here. We understand what's fixing to happen. We understand verse number 10, verse number 11 talks about putting on the whole armor of God. But look at verse number 13 of Ephesians 6. The Bible says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. I'm interested tonight in this, what God's given me, and, and this, how many messages you got, Brother Brandon? Well, not all of them's complete, but God's begun to birth in my heart, in my own life, the last phrase of this verse, where it says, having done all to stand. You realize that we, a lot of times, in a lot of areas in our life, we expect God to do His part, and God always does His part. But, Miss Janet, a lot of times in my life, I don't do all of my part in order for God to help me. God would help me, and Brother Adrian talked last Sunday morning. We've been dealing a little bit with the blind man there at the Pool of Siloam. God had done his part, but that man had to do his part. And his friends had to help him, Brother Adrian, get to his, their part. All of us can do our part, but that verse is kind of convicting. And I, I heard this morning a preacher say this, talking about convictions. You said, Brother Brandon, this verse doesn't hit me. Let me just put it like this. In Brother Brandon's life, I fail a lot of things. Brother Harold, there's a lot of things that I could do better for the Lord than I do. There's a lot of situations that I could handle better than I do for the Lord. But I want to be one that in my last days, the Bible says here, when the evil day comes, having done all to stand, have we, Brother Dalton, done everything in our power to stand against the devil, against situations, against things we'll face? Have we done all of our part? I heard a preacher say this morning, I was going to get some lunch, and I turned on, I love listening to preaching, and I caught the part of his message this morning where he said this. He said, think about this. He said, if everyone in our church won one person to the Lord this year, just one, and that one person, Brother Wayne, began to come to church with us, next year we'd all have to build new churches. He said, our empty pews, and I'm not belittling us with no means, he said, our empty pews sometimes are a conviction or, or an indictment on our lack of trying to win the loss. Can I tell you, I fail at that a lot in my life. 
I'm not asking you to win 50 people to the Lord this year, but what if we all just focused on, God, would you place someone in my life that I not only can plant the seed, but that I'll get to see, say, to maybe encourage them to come to church if they don't have a church. Said, Brother Brandon, we don't, we don't want to build another church. we got nowhere else to build another church. Can I tell you, God will solve all those problems if we'll do our part. And that convicted me this morning. But I thought about that, having done all to stand. Areas that we expect God in our life to do his part, but we've not fully done our part. But the heaven never fear. The Lord, as I said, always will do his part, especially in spiritual things. In fact, the Christ of Calvary finished his work at Calvary. So now the personal matter of personal victory is completely up to us. We'll never get more salvation than we got the day that we're saved. We'll never get more of God, so to speak, than we got the day we're saved. Now we can give him more of us, which will help us grow closer to him. But we've got all of God. There was nothing, there was nothing held back there at Calvary. When facing uncertain days, I want you to think about this if we turn to 2 Corinthians 10. When facing uncertain days and years ahead, because they are uncertain, I want to live and I want us to live as a church in the truth that I have done all. That we can make that statement when we get to a situation, I have done everything in my power, I have done all to stand, leaving nothing on the court. There's often times, you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, we'll be there in just a moment. There's often times we make this statement, Brother Jason, dealing with a basketball game or a football game or a baseball game or whatever it may be. You're in the World Series or you're in the National Championship or you're playing, it don't matter, a pickup game. You never ever want to lose knowing that you did not give everything you had in order to win. You say, Brother Brandon, you've seen a lot of football players go off, but there's one thing I noticed differently in the Super Bowl, and I'm not preaching sports tonight, but a lot of those players that would normally go out and not come back in came back in with their knees taped up and with their arms taped up and with blood coming up. Why is that? Because that was the last game of the season, and everything that they had done led to that point, and it was not a time, Brother James, just to give up or give half-hearted. I've seen players play and with busted knuckles and broken knees and fractured legs, and many of you can testify Maybe you've played through something here in your life. But in our Christian life, I don't ever want to sit on the sideline and know in my heart that I've not done everything that I can to stand. So I want God to help us out of that verse if we look at that thought, that thought having done all to stand. But tonight I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And the first, I guess you could say, message that God given me and having done all to stand, there are some areas in our life to where it's easy to struggle. But if we'll do our part, again, God will do his part. Notice your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter Chapter number 10, verse number 1. Now I, Paul, myself, now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, in whom, is, in, whom in present uh, am, base, base among you, excuse me, and being absent and bold towards you. Notice verse number 2. I be, uh, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with, the, with uh, I, may, I can't even read tonight, when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some. Which think us of us as uh, if we were wicked or walked according to the flesh. Verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against the flesh. For, our, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now I want to look at verse number 4 tonight because I believe with all my heart the first area here that we're going to look at tonight, whether again which is this is the last Sunday night we're together, whether God develops this later in my life or not, is on that phrase, and I want to preach on that phrase, the pulling down of strongholds. So, Brother Brandon, what is a stronghold? Well, I begin to study and begin to look at and read after different men and reading our Bible and finding those thoughts of the pulling down of strongholds. And I found a man that's an earthly man that explained it like this, Brother Wayne, and it kind of caught with me. So this is the way I'm going to explain it to you tonight. 
Imagine for a moment that we're at a war. During this war with the Kevin, an enemy soldier is injured in our territory. He is wounded and, and petitions or begs for our sympathy and hospitality. He's behind enemy lines. By the way, and he's been injured, and we agree to give him food, shelter, and protection for one night, only to find the next morning another wounded soldier has joined him. We allow them to set up camp while regaining their strength, only to discover as the weeks carry on, more and more enemy soldiers join them, and all of a sudden they are now, we are now, they outnumber and overpower us, thus claiming what once had been our territory as their own. This is the concept of a spiritual stronghold. The enemy establishes a place in your mind where he controls your thought. Oftentimes they're not. You say, Brother Brandon, I've never, I've never been in war. I've never, that, that, that doesn't mean anything to me. But just that, that idea that you get, Brother Harold, that if one thing led to another thing, and all of a sudden the forces from the outside, now, Brother, don't claim what is ours on the inside. If we're not careful, we'll allow that to happen in our own lives, in our Christian lives. As Christians, we oftentimes find ourselves living in the agony of defeat in spite of already obtaining eternal victory. I believe all my heart, you say, Brother Brandon, you know a lot about Christians. Well, I am a Christian. It's all I've ever grown up around. It's what, I, it's what I breathe. It's what I eat. It's what I am. But I tell you this much, we have a lot of things going for us. I know that we're serving the, we're, we're the only religion serving a true and living God that, that is not dead. And I'm thankful for that, but there's a lot of weaknesses as a Christian. I've learned, Brother Mike, that sometimes, and myself included, Christians live some of the most defeated lives when we should be living the most victorious lives. Christians at Calvary, Brother Randy, were given eternal security, yet we, we, we not only shoot our own, we wound our own, but we live a lot of times in defeat when God's already given us eternal victory. Jesus Christ did not give his life on the cross of Calvary for us to feel defeated, deflated, or live in despair. John 10, 10, you have to turn there. I've got it copied down tonight for the sake of time. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. And this is the Lord being, but I come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. He didn't come for us, Malachi, to live in bondage. He didn't come, Brother Hoyt, for us to have strongholds in our life. All strongholds are built on the foundation of deception. Satan primarily attacks us through the idea of thought. Over time, I think about this, if we get into this over time, he can sway us to believing things are not only are, that, are, that are not true. That is why we need the truth of God's Word to help us stand against some such de 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 depression or such deception or such strongholds. So how then, here's the message, how, Brother Harold, do we understand, how then, understanding the tactics of the devil, can we overcome the pulling down or pulling down of strongholds? The verse says in verse number 4, For our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but the mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are these strongholds? Well, I may get into a few of them tonight, but it's not necessarily as important about what your stronghold is because all of us have different ones. My stronghold may be different than yours. My These sin, as the New Testament puts it, may be different than yours, but all of us face strongholds. Areas in our life we never intended, if you've not got anything else I've said, get this, we never intended for Satan to set up camp in this area in our life, yet tonight he controls Brother Evan that area in our life. Sometimes it can be fear. Sometimes it can be illness. Sometimes it can be the, the fear of the unknown or whatever it may be in your life. It could be finance. It could be family. It could be, it could be a million different things. But in that area, though God has given you the victory, you know that you're saved. You know heaven's going to be your home. But for some reason, there's a stronghold in your life. 
Brother Brandon, I hope that God will help me. Can I tell you, as we said before, launching out of Ephesians, God will always do his part, but I want to make sure that I and that you understand that we've got to do all to stand, having done all, exhausted all measures to battle against the devil. And can I tell you tonight, if we get into this, we are no match for him by ourselves. Never be arrogant, and I don't want to be arrogant in speaking, and sometimes I say things that, that, that may come across that way, but I never, ever want to get to the point where, the hell where I say the devil is no match for me because I promise you I'm no match for him in of myself. But with Jesus Christ, I am. The Bible tells us here, and I'm just going to go straight through the Scripture, and we'll go home tonight, but Brandon, how can I make sure that I've done all to defeat these strongholds in my life? Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 24, and again, you don't have to turn to all these places tonight. I'm going to read them to you, and I promise that I'm there. But number one, if you're going to defeat Satan, if you're going to do all that you can to stand against Satan and any strongholds that we face, though they may be multicolored, though they may be different, number one, we neither give place to the devil. Brother Brandon, what do you mean by giving place to the devil? Ephesians 4, 24 says this, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness, a true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man's truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let the sun not go down upon thy right. Then verse number 27 nails it, and it says, Neither give place to the devil. If we're going to defeat him or have victory over Satan, we must quit feeding him. You cannot expect to overcome, Brother Kevin, the enemy if you're continually supporting his existence in your mind. You say, Brother Brandon, I wish this would go away. we got to quit feeding him. In my life, Brother James, whether I know it or not, a lot of times in my life, and I'll give you a few in passing in just a moment, if I'm not careful, all I'm doing is giving, this, giving Satan ammunition to use against me. I'm telling him what's going to defeat me in my life by the way that I live, by the way that my actions. And I, I wrote a few down. I thought about this. We can never give place to the devil in our communications. Change the subject. Say, Brother Brandon, if I talk about this, it seems like I fall farther into sin. Or if I talk about this, it seems like I get more depressed. Or if I talk about this, it seems like my, my day is ruined. And we get up talking about politics or talking about the news. And, man, you can get sidetracked in a hurry. But can I tell you, sometimes we just need to change the conversation. Brother Brandon, this bothers me when I talk about it. Don't talk about it. Brother Brandon, this bothers me when I watch it. Don't watch it. Change our conversations, and I promise you, we'll not give place to the devil. Because if you invite the devil in, I promise you, just as Christ came into my heart in salvation, if I allow through my communications the devil to come in, he'll come in every single time. Have I done all to stand? Neither give place to the devil. Not only in my communication, but also in our relationships. Can I tell you, never, ever, ever has there been a time more critical than now Young people and young men sitting on the front row and all throughout the church to surround yourself with victorious people. People that want to live in victory. You say, Brother Brandon, what happens if you get on a team and nobody believes you're going you're gonna to win, you're going to lose? You've got to surround yourself. I've got to surround myself, Liam, with people that are victorious. I've, we've adopted a new saying. You say, Brother Brandon, is, is it a seance? It's not a seance. But when Malachi leaves in the morning, I'm praying for Miss Casey every day, but I'm also praying for him, and I make this statement. He can ask me, you want to finish the sentence tonight? I said, winners win on purpose. That's right. If you're going to win, it's going to happen on purpose, not only in life, not only in athletics, but in spiritual talking and in defeating the devil. If you don't have a mindset to win and a mindset to do better, you're not going to do better. Every person, Brother Kevin, that does well in business, every person that does well in life, they've got a mindset to know that with God they can do this. 
And I, I'm not like that all the time, Brother Randy. Sometimes I lock myself in a pity closet, and I don't want nobody to see me, and I'm, I'm not a winner spiritually. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not preaching higher than thou. But just in our Christian life, if we want to break through some strongholds and doing all that we can do, we've got to stop giving the devil places in our communications and in our relationships. Surround yourself with people that are not perfect, but they're wanting victory in their life. In our communications, in our relationships, quickly, also in our habits. Brother Brandon, what do you mean? We all have habits that draw us farther away from Christ, and they draw us closer to Christ. From the pulpit to the back. It may not be some gross sin, but it's something I know, Brother Harold, if, I'm, if, I, if I take part in it, it's going to allow Satan to have a hold of that part of my life when he don't need to. And it could be something gross sin. It could be something that nobody else knows about. But if we don't change our habits... I wrote this down. Sometimes it's a good idea to develop a safety net. Give somebody else full access to your life. Let me give you a personal example, and I'm not commending this. I'm not telling you why I did this, but here recently we've uh, changed some things in our ministry and with, with, our, with our family just because of, and I don't have to get greatly into detail about it, but there were some things that needed to change, and so I, I have addressed some things, and the first thing I did, and she don't like it because now her phone blows up all the time, but whatever page I'm part of, my wife is the admin of that page. Brother Brandon, why is that important? I want her to know that I'm accountable to her, Brother Kevin. I'm accountable, and I want her to know that no matter what happens in my life, that she has full access to my life. Brother Brandon, I don't want anybody else to know anything about my life, and I'm not accountable to anybody. Can I tell you, if we give the devil that place, he'll ruin your life. He will ruin your life. We ought to have the authority and knowing, hey, if you've got men in this church, we've got women in this church, young people, you ought to find somebody. You say, Brother Brandon, they don't, nobody else know anything about my life other than what I come to church. Let me tell you, that's dangerous because we've got to make sure that our habits are set forth. You may say, Brother Brandon, you got a problem. We don't have a problem. I just don't want a problem. So I'm telling you that. And, uh, and so I, I did that. And, it, and it's helped not only my family, but it's helped me personally because it, it deletes some things out of my life, Brother Petey. But I wanted to know, and it don't matter if it's Brother Allen or Brother Jason or whoever, that if I leave something unlocked, that anybody has free game to anything in my life. Because I do not, I'm saying out of Ephesians chapter 6, I want to do all I can, having done all to stand. If I go down against Satan, I want to go down swinging, knowing that I've done everything in my power to pull down strongholds in my life. So neither give place to the devil, allow Satan to have zero access. Not only that, but not only do you need to get, neither give place to the devil, but number two, claim and rest in biblical truths. You realize that God give us the Bible not just to be read, not just to have on our board, not just so our neighbors can see us walking out, not just so when a preacher says, hey, hold up your Bible, you can hold it up, but God give us our Bible because every truth, Brother Mike, every sentence, every word, every jot, every tittle in this book will help us in areas in our life. It is something we can hold to but claim and rest in biblical truths. John 8, 32, I want to give you some scripture tonight as we go through this lightning quick. And, you, and, and the Bible says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The beginning of this verse is overlooked by so many and even by me sometimes, but yet it is the key to unlocking the end. The beginning of the verse says, you shall know the truth. And then we read the last part of the verse, the truth shall make you free. But if you don't know the truth, Brother Harold, the truth can't set you free. You say, Brother Brandon, how can I know that, that I can be saved? We, this morning we're dealing with, in our Sunday school class with avoiding confusion. And this morning's lesson, all the way back to baskets, is how do you know for sure that God is the creator of everything? You say, Brother Brandon, I don't know. Well, you don't have to go far to read Genesis 1.1. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us that. 
I told him this morning there's never been an author that, that, that I've read after that in the beginning of a chapter book, he has to prove that he's the author of the book. Yet so many say, well, I don't believe that God is the author of this. There's never been an author that's had to prove that he wrote the book, but yet the world does not accept that God wrote this, that God inspired this, and he is the creator. But I've got to believe the truths that God has. The truth of God's word does us zero good if we don't name it and claim it, if we don't know it and claim it. James 1.22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be ye doers. So if the Bible tells me how to defeat Satan and pull down these strongholds at 2 Corinthians 4, verse number, or verse number, chapter 10, verse number 4, where it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. How do we pull them down? We know we neither give place to the devil, but also we claim and rest in biblical truths. One more, Psalms 119.11 says this, For thou in thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's so important at a young age and all throughout your life to hide God's word. Why is that, Brother Brandon? Well, the word of God, Brother Evan, I wrote down a few things. The word of God will overpower the adversary. It'll establish a sure foundation. It'll give comfort in the darkest midnight. It'll bring to remembrance the goodness of God. It'll encourage us in a brighter tomorrow. Every time that we've been to service where God has spoke through a message and, and blessed our heart, that wasn't something a preacher made up. That wasn't something a singer made up. Miss Linda, that was something straight out of God's word that God used to help us in our life. But if we're going to pull down strongholds, if we're going to do all that we can to stand, we've got to claim and rest in biblical truth. Not only that, but thirdly, we've also got to enable the weapons of warfare. So, Brother Brandon, what do you mean, enable the weapons of warfare? Owning a weapon, and I can say amen to this, owning a weapon and knowing how to use it are two very different things. I, there's some people that I love with all my heart, but if we go bird hunting, I'm going to be behind them. We've had vice presidents like that. Y'all know who I'm talking about. But I'm just saying that some people, I, I, I've seen them load their gun. Brother Harold, I've seen them hold their gun. And I prayed, and we stayed back, Brother Josh, about 100 yards behind them, however far their bullet will go. That's how far behind them I want to be. And you uh, said, Brother Brandon, why is that? Well, just imagine. I don't, I don't want to get shot. I, again, I, I don't want to do that. But knowing how to use a weapon is something. Bible tells us here in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, tells us that our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God. Ephesians 6 lays out, we've read a bit earlier today, and I'm not going to go back there and, and read it again, but Ephesians 6 lays out the whole armor of God, helping us with our defense, but more importantly, our offense. Verse number 17 places the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, in our hands. And to, to many times, too many times, us as Christians and Brother Brandon, we sit back and we, all we do is let Satan continually pound on us. Now, we're playing defense. We've got the shield. We've got the helmet. We've got our loins girded about. But we never do anything offensively. We just play defense. And though I know defense will win championships, if you don't, win, if you don't score some kind of points, you ain't going to win. I mean, you can play defense all night long, but some, at some point, the ball's got to go through the basket, or you've got to get on base. Something's got to happen offensively. And I'm not saying we charge through, and I know the expression, but I'm not asking you to swing over hell tonight with a water pistol on a, on, a, on a spaghetti noodle, as I've heard preached before. I'm not asking you to be ignorant. I'm just saying sometime we've got to claim God's word and play offense with Satan. Play offense. Brother Brandon, what do you mean? There's some time we sit back and we play defense. We shelter our children. We shelter our nation. We shelter our church. And we're here and God's helping us. And we're, we're, we're guarding against the fiery dark. But there's every once in a while where you've got to draw that sword, Brother Evan, and you've got to play offense if we're going to defeat Satan and pull down these strongholds. Enable the weapons of warfare. Small victories lead to big success. 
But Alan, I love studying in business and I love studying different things. And there's one thing that I've learned. Small victories will give you enough encouragement to keep you continuing. Let me give you an example. And I don't condone this. But let's say tonight, we're going to pick a Liam. You got any debt in your life? You're good right now. You got no credit cards or nothing. You don't owe nobody no money. Well, you owe me $5, I think, but I don't know. But either way. So Liam tonight, let's say, for instance, Liam, and I'm going somewhere. Liam's got debt for $10,000, $20,000, $50,000, and $60,000. Well, he really wants to get that $60,000 debt paid off. I tell you what will happen is he starts saving maybe an extra hundred a month or something. He starts putting it to that. He will not see the results, and he'll quit. But if you start at the bottom, you say, well, I owe Brother Brandon $5. You really don't, but if you want to, that's fine. But if I owe, and you pay that off. Then you take that $5 and put it with your $100. Now you've got 105 He He's good. He goes to West Jack and He knows how to count. Then you take that $105 and you say, well, you know what? I owe Petey and Jeremy $200 for taking me turkey hunting and shooting their trucks and everything else. And so then you go pay them off. And then you take that $200 and put it with that $105. And now you've got $300. And see how that works? He keeps working because small victories will get you to a big success. Now, I don't condone $60,000 in debt or shooting their trucks. Don't go do that. But my purpose is this. In our Christian life, you say, Brother Brandon, this is a big problem in my life, and I'm going to defeat Satan in it. I'm addicted to this. I, I can't stop looking at this. I can't stop partaking of this. If you said it, you say, Brother Brandon, I'm going to defeat that. I promise you, more than likely than not, you'll fall flat on your face. But if we'll focus on being faithful to church, being faithful to fellowships, being faithful to youth camps, being faithful and let God slowly build in our life, God will allow us to eventually draw that weapon of offense and say, Satan, I know I've got a lot in my life I've got to take care of, but I'm going to take one step at a time, and we're going to get through this. One step at a time. Enable the weapons of warfare. Small victories lead to big success. Brother Brandon, how can I make sure that if I've got an area of the strongholds, if I've got an area that I described earlier where it feels like the enemy has come in, he's took over my camp, and he has destroyed my life. He, I don't know how to get him out. There's just so much in here now that I can't deal with it. I'm overwhelmed. I can't defeat this, whether it be spiritually, whether it be depression, whether it be whatever you're facing, whatever I'm facing. How in the world do I get Satan out? Well, can I tell you, we can always rely on God to do his part. But I'm preaching tonight on have I done all to do my part. We can either give place to the devil, claim biblical truths, and rest in them. Enables weapons of warfare, but fourthly and lastly, Brother Brandon, what can I do to help tear down these strongholds in my life? How can I defeat Satan? How can I make sure that I've not left anything on the court, anything on the table, and I've given everything to do my part? Can I establish, and I, 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 I mentioned this earlier briefly, but it's very important. I want to end on this. But number four, not only do we enable weapons of warfare, but we've got to establish accountability. Brother Brandon, what do you mean? Do you realize in your life you will always be accountable to somebody? Brother Brandon, I am debt-free. I don't owe anybody anything, and I, and I commend that. But you don't pay your power bill this month, and you can be debt-free all you want to. They're going to cut your power off. You will always owe somebody, unless you're living off a solar panel somewhere back up in the Appalachian Mountains and your rainwater and weird and whatever. I'm just saying you're going to always owe somebody do you realize that no matter how high you are there's always somebody you answer to well brother brandon the president don't enter i'm not gonna get into this and taxes and lawsuits and everything we got going on right now in our country i'm telling you everybody answers to somebody it don't matter who it is well brother brandon you're the youth pastor can i tell you we got a head pastor we got a church we've got a deacon boy we've got i've got a god in heaven 
It's not just pull the pistols out and go firing. There's always that you've got to answer to somebody. If we're going to break down the strongholds in our life, if I can't give you anything else tonight, if you'll get this, especially young people, if, this, if I could point one point to you tonight, it would simply be this, and you all know this. It's been preached to you by greater men than I. If you're going to break through strongholds in your life, you must have allies. You cannot do it by yourself. Ecclesiastes chapter number 4, verse number 12, Solomon said this, Solomon was the wisest man in all the Bible except our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, 12, and if, it, if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, but a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Having someone hold you accountable will help you more than anything else in your life. You know, I want to be accountable to that little boy sitting on the front row. I want to be accountable to Brother Allen. I want to be accountable to Brother James. I want to be accountable to Brother Kevin. And you say, Brother Brandon, they're going to watch your life like a hawk. They're going to point everything out. That's not what accountability is, but accountability is it. If they see something in my life that's not right, that they love me enough to come and say, hey, listen, I don't know what's going on, but we're praying for you. Not put it on the screen, not put it on a post, not put it somewhere else, but say, hey, I love you enough that we're in this together, and I don't know what's going on, but I love you enough that I'm praying for you. And if I can do anything to help you i'll be glad to establishing accountability having someone to hold you accountable will help you more than anything in your life there's no shame in asking for help and those who truly love you will bind their hearts with you and live with you for the greater good of your life brother brandon i don't get a lot of this tonight miss savannah's coming but understand this i launched out of ephesians chapter number six because god's given me some areas in the scriptures tonight dealing with the strongholds of satan dealing with the enemy that has overwhelmed us and overcome us and bombarded us and uh, anybody ever just been overwhelmed or bombarded you feel like you're so far in you can't get out I ain't just talking about finances I'm talking about just in life you, you you look at your week I mean you're stressed out on Monday about things that's going to happen on Thursday maybe you're going in for for surgery maybe you're doing this or doing that I mean you're just overwhelmed Satan if we're not careful will have a stronghold in our life a stronghold in our marriages a stronghold in our in our youth a stronghold in our daily life and can I tell you God's given us some ways to get out of it to get him out of it. Now, I don't want to just sit back as Miss Savannah begins to play. I don't want to just sit back and say, God, I trusted you at salvation, so it's up to you. You get me out of it. If you want to get me out of it, you, you help me in this area of my life. God, I'm struggling. Nobody at church knows. My wife don't know. My husband don't know. My family don't know. I'm just sitting idle, but you're not sitting idle because the longer, just as that story at the very beginning of those enemy lines, the longer we sit idle, the more devils and the more demons and the more, press, the more oppression, Brother Harry, will come into our life. And before we know it, we couldn't get out if we wanted to get out. Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. 
Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them, if you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. 
Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.